Is it time for home care? Find out in this week's episode. Hello and welcome to Elder Health Connection, a podcast where I gather innovators in elder health care to discuss their unique perspectives on caregiving and care receiving. My name is Caroline Morris, and I use my combined experience in biochemistry, physical therapy, health coaching, and growing up next door to my grandparents to dig deep into the complexities of aging and then draw out practical solutions that can fit into your life. I record this show from my home in Alexandria, Virginia, sometimes with the input from my dogs, Benny and Barry. Thank you for joining us today. Today we are joined by Bella Desai and Latasha Williams of Senior Helpers Arlington, Alexandria. Bella is the owner and operator of this location of Senior Helpers and Tasha is the client care director. They share with us their expertise in home care, their experience, both their personal experience in caring for loved ones and now their professional experience in caring for multiple clients as if they were their own family members. They offer compassion. They offer very practical information and get to the heart of a lot of frequently asked questions and misconceptions about home care and provide us with information we can use moving forward in deciding if this is really the step we need to take in the the caring process and how best to interview a company and manage expectations. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Today, I am joined by two guests, Tasha Williams and Bella Desai of Senior Helpers. Welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you for having us, Ms. Caroline. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to get into this conversation with you all about home care and the value of it and helping us all understand how to use it better. So before we get into all of that, though, do you mind just introducing yourselves and letting us know what got you into working in home care in the first place? So I'm, I'm, I'm Bella Desai. I'm the owner of Senior Helpers in Arlington and Alexandria. And my story of the why is my experience with my grandmother. I saw her to start, you know, as the matriarch of our family and then a slow decline over 10 plus years going from, you know, obviously leading our family to a couple of falls and then a cane and a walker and a wheelchair. And then finally at the end when she became bed bound and then the influx and rotation of caregivers that came to support her while the rest of us were, you know, working the nine to five and kind of holding on to the rest of, of daily operations and just seeing the interaction and even the voice that they gave to my grandmother to for towards us trying to increase her quality of life even though she couldn't speak anymore was what 
really brought me into this field. And my name is Natasha Williams. I am the Director of Client Care with Bella um, here at Senior Helpers in Arlington, Alexandria. What brought me into home care was taking care of my mother. In 2005, they told my mother that she had six months to live, and I was determined to keep her alive. She had lymphomyomatosis, which is a very rare lung disease, and not knowing anything about providing care and you know, being the person who has to do everything, I seen how tough it was for myself. Got connected with a company who, you know, showed me how to do it, showed me what to do and gave me the ability to provide care for my mother that she needed when she couldn't talk, when she couldn't walk, when she couldn't see, when she had to go to all of these thousands appointments because they didn't know what was wrong with her. And in going through that struggle, once my mother passed in 2014, it was, okay, how can I help the next person not do this? How can I help the, ne the next person not be scared, you know, fall on their face and, and have nobody there to pick them up? How can I be that support for them? And that's, that's how I got here. You know, the, the care and compassion that people that you see sitting in the doctor's office need and they don't have, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking. And for me, it's, I have a, a personality and a spirit of care. I want to help you. I want to show you, I want to teach you. I want to make sure that you're okay. And as helpful as it is to someone else, in addition to the family, removing that burden, it's rewarding for me. And that's, that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's what brought me here. That is why we are here today. Yeah, thank you both. And I, I find most people I interact with in the older adult care space have some deep connection to the work. It's not something we get into for the money or the, you know, the fame or anything like that. It's really a calling to this work um, and a desire to make it better for the next person. And I imagine for both of you, you had very full lives before taking on the role of the family caregiver as well. Indeed, indeed. I was, um, when I first started taking care of my mom, I was the passenger service manager at National Airport. I did all the training, OSHA training at multiple stations. So every week I was traveling, every week I was in another city, in another state. And when she started to decline and get sicker and sicker and they're like, okay, she has to go on oxygen now. You know, she has to go to dialysis three, four times a week. She has to, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. So my life stopped so that hers could go on. And yeah, it was, it was, it was tough, but when you're doing it from a place of love, from a place of care, from a place of, okay, I don't want to see you go. And it may have been selfish because we get we get selfish at times when we don't want to see people, you know, leave us. But it was, let me fix you. Mm -hmm. Let me help you. Let me get you better. And the life I had was no more. My life was now hers. I think for, for me, for my, um, my aunt and uncle were my grandmother's primary caregivers. And I know they didn't take a vacation for 10 years. They stopped, they, they would take turns. One person would sleep on the couch. One person would sleep in the bed. So they would have to basically decide who's going to get better sleep each night. Because if my grandmother calls out, then somebody has to be close by to, to, to help her. And so, yeah, I could see the wear and tear that 
how almost like how quickly they aged <laughs> over the over that time span. You know, they renovated their bathroom and made it ADA accessible just for her because they needed it, you know, and then kind of turning your home into, you know, luckily they had enough space on the ground to that, that, you know, my grandmother had her privacy in what was like the formal living area, but it was still putting in the grab bars and putting in all of that stuff where a lot of people hesitate to kind of, you know, they think they're turning their home into a hospital, but there is a tasteful way that can also be done. And I think a lot of people don't realize that even though the physical, mental, emotional toll that it takes is there. There's a lot of other support. And and the other support is what I saw from neighbors and other extended family. When I would come and visit, I'd sleep on the couch, you know, so hopefully they get to, you know, an extra night of sleep. So yeah, it's, it's that you lose a piece of your life, but then it kind of blends in with Mm -hmm. the support around and it's just a a new type of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's something I hear pretty commonly about how it's almost an identity change for a lot of people when they take on that role of full-time caregiver. So what are some services that you now know exist that maybe you wished you'd had when you were in the, the family caregiver role? Ooh, for me, it's senior helpers. <laughs> it's definitely senior helpers. It is the fact that when you call in to get service, you not only get a person who understands the needs because they've been there, they are, well, we are, (laughs) we're gonna come in, we're gonna assess the home, we're gonna do what we call a life profile. We're gonna tell you from the top of the house to the bottom of the house and inside and out of your person so that we have the whole picture We can give you the whole picture and we can fix it all. It's not going to happen in a day. It's not going to happen in 24 hours. But from the start of care to the end of care, we're going to make sure that we put safety in place. We're going to make sure that we have the care in place that is going to help give longevity to life in every aspect of it so that they can stay in their homes. Who wants to know that? excuse the expression, but who wants to know that they're dying and they got to do it in a hospital where nobody's going to be there? No, let me die in my home, Mm -hmm. you know? So we're going to come in, we're going to do life profile. We're going to assess everything and we're going to let you die in your home safely. We're going to bring you to a point where you're no longer feeling like you're dying, but you're feeling like you're living. And that's what we do. That's what Senior Helpers has shown me. You know, if I would have known that you can go through a list of 140 things to say, okay, this can help raise your quality of life. You can go through seven, seven other set of questions to say that this is what you need to help manage your medication so your body can be better. I think I could have kept my mom here for another 10 or 15 years. I do. And, you know, just being able to have that tool to give to another family now it's again, rewarding. It mm-hmm. makes me happy. It's, it's, it's great. So I wish I would have had senior helpers back then. Yeah. What does that life profile look like? If you can think of maybe an example of someone or even applying it to your mother retroactively, what would it have gone into and how would it have changed things? Knowing the autonomy part of it, knowing the medication management, knowing how to collectively put all of that together. At that time, I didn't understand that I had to not only help her surroundings, but help her internal too. 
and recognizing the different things that life profile, like the swelling of the legs, the, the mm-hmm. movement, the longevity, how long are they standing? Are they weak? Are they strong? Is it right side? Is it left side? Is it head? Is it toe? Is it feet? Is it, if I would have known to look at the whole picture instead of just what's happening in that moment, it would have been so much easier. Mm-hmm. And that life profile assessment allows you to look at everything as a whole right there in that moment. It allows you to take this picture, put it to your day-to-day use and know that, okay, if we change these 10 things out of these 50, okay, we're going to be at a better quality of life. And that's, that's, that's what life profile does. That's what life profile does. It gives you a full scope, a full outlook of your life and it puts it in front of you. And in seeing where, okay, this is what I thought I was, but this is where I am. It, it opens, it opens up the eyes. It opens up the mind. People think, okay, yeah, I'm going to put this in place, put this in place, put this in place and we're done. We're good. But they forget about everything else. Mm-hmm. Life profile allows you to look at everything else. And we do it in a way, I do it in a way where I'm not making you feel bad because you don't have it there. I'm just letting you know that this is going to help you. And we're going to walk you through getting to where you need to be. And you're, you don't have to do it by yourself. I think that's like kind of the biggest thing about life profile is it takes away the guesswork. And along with that, it, it gives the opportunity to provide education and local resources and support. When I first opened up Senior Helpers and we didn't have this this tool, I had to essentially go on my gut feeling of what risks I saw and what support I thought that the family needed and what support. So it's only coming from my singular experience. The live profile, it's based off of the experience of 30,000 patients. And that's the kind of comprehensiveness. So even when I think back with my uncle and my aunt, they had to guess when they needed grab bars. They had to guess, how do I do the pill box? They had to guess, okay, what now, what now? Whereas this is just, it's like, it helps you to stay one step ahead. And at the same time, take the focus away from the medical condition, which can be so dominant in someone's head and then take steps to say, hey, my grandmother used to take a walk every day. Okay, so then coming in, we can say, hey, what about a ramp out of your door? so we can transfer to the wheelchair and still take her outside to get fresh air rather than being in the bed 24 seven day after day after day. So the way that we work now is we kind of push the envelope a little bit and ask people to think past the medical condition and kind of look to enjoying the relationship that they had with their loved one, you know, in those final days, weeks, months, years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it speaks to the importance of having a professional someone who does this every day, performing the assessment to, to help combine that research that informed the assessment with the personal experience to figure out what exactly is the priority for the person in front of me. I think for us as family members, you know, there's no shortage of information on the internet, but sifting through it to figure out what applies, what doesn't apply, what should I be doing first? is overwhelming and exhausting and a lot Mm -hmm. of guesswork. So having, 
having someone who knows what they're doing with a good tool coming up with a plan can just streamline things and make benefits happen so much faster than trying to piece it together. Definitely, definitely. And then too, when you have somebody who's showing you what it is and having the comfort in knowing that, okay, I'm not going to do this by myself now. Mm -hmm. That's the second part of it, you know, knowing that, okay, I'm not alone. People think when they're taking care of their family members that, okay, it's just me, you know, my brother's over here, my sister's over here, but it's just me. I'm the sole, I'm the sole provider. I'm the only one doing it. No, when we come in and we show you all of these things, we're going to help you. We're going to walk you through it. Like Bella said, we're going to give you that guidance and direction and, and those tools to get it done and know that, you know, you have support there now and you're not alone and you're not by yourself and you're not the only one going through it. Because again, 300,000, what was it? 30,000 people already have gone through the same process. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's the overall support from the beginning to the end, you know, with the assessments, with coming into the home and with following through, you know, the, the daily touches, the weekly touches, the calls just to check in, you know, hey, is everything going? Are you okay? You know, let's remove that burden from you. Do you need an extra hour this week? Go ahead, go out, have fun, go get your nails done, go get your hair done, go have a glass of wine. You know, relax and decompress. We got that, you know, we removing the burden of care allows that family member, that, that sole provider to come back and say, okay, now I can love you better because I'm not angry, because I'm not hostile, because I'm not overwhelmed, because I'm not aggravated or agitated at what's going on. And having that support from us or senior helpers or whatever company you want to use, but senior helpers <laughs> predominantly, um, <laughs> um, from having that support from us, you know that, okay, when it's too much, I got somebody to lean on, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just gives a different level of comfort to somebody who's, you know, again, being a sole provider. Mm-hmm. So what would you all say is some of the things people should consider when they think it might be time to get some extra help or they're feeling like they're in pure survival mode and aren't sure how they're going to make it to the next day? That's when that's when they should start. When they feel like they're in survival mode or just before they're about to flip that switch of, okay, everything is a panic, everything is a rush, and I'm always angry. When you can look at yourself and say, okay, everything is overwhelming me, that's when you need to stop and make a phone call. When you feel like you can no longer manage your life and manage the pill fill and manage the care and manage the doctor's appointments and you're taking away from yourself and losing who you are, that's when you need to call out and reach out for help. Because if you can't, old saying, you can't pour from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. If your cup's not full, you can't pour. If you're pouring from an empty cup, the care that you're giving to the person who you're caring for it's lacking. There's something's going to happen. You're going to miss something because you're overwhelmed because you have too much on your plate because you're not focused. And when you get at that point, that means you're not caring anymore. 
because, okay, I slipped it today. I'll just get it tomorrow. But that's 24 hours that you forget that one pill. That's 24 hours that you forget, oh, I missed this doctor's appointment, but that doctor appointment could have shown the picture of AFib in your heart, or that doctor's appointment could have shown the swelling or the blood clot or whatever. That one thing that you miss could be your family member's life. Mm -hmm. So when you become overwhelmed, when you start to feel like you're losing yourself, that's when you look for help. But it's, and, and that's also, it's not even that you're going to, you might put your loved one at risk. You're putting your own life at risk. You know, we worked with a couple of first year and the husband had so much medication, so many medical issues. And the wife had gotten to the point of being so overwhelmed that mail was just piling up. Her anxiety was so high. She was scratching and her skin started to peel and it was bleeding. And it was just her own health was failing because she was so overwhelmed by trying to take care of everything in the house and for her husband and everything. Now, unfortunately, he passed away naturally like over the holidays. And then I saw her maybe two, three months later, her skin had completely healed. She was in better spirits. She was taking care of herself. She had gained weight. Now, obviously not to say that it was great that her husband passed away, but you can see that what that stress and that anxiety was doing to the spouse or to the loved one that's, that, that is that caretaker. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we get to that level, bringing in home care, bringing in, even if it is, you know, for short periods during the week, you're going to need it. If you mm-hmm. are the, what we, and we always say, we say this to almost every family, there's 168 hours in the week. There's no job that you are going to survive if you are on 168 hours a week. Mm-hmm. You know, and basic research says that you need at least 40 hours to yourself. And you can take that as even eight, nine, eight hours of sleep, <laughs> five days a week for you to be able to sustain your own self. And so if that's not happening, then, you know, we're just waiting for the burnout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you both described well, kind of the progression of how that can play out. And for a lot of us, myself included, who might pride ourselves on working hard and caring for others, we can become quite blind to what's happening to ourselves. And it's been, even in my own life, uh, an unlearning of the value of just hard work with no rest and also learning to recognize things sooner. So before it's a catastrophe, can I at least recognize when I'm starting to make errors that I wouldn't normally make? And then before that, you know, when am I rushing when I don't need to rush? I like that you mentioned that Tasha, just Mm -hmm. rushing to everything um, Mm -hmm. really isn't a healthy way to live or provide care. And so For those listening, you might be anywhere along the spectrum of being perhaps very stable and in a good place in your caring relationship or really on the brink of of some sort of error or failure in, in that dynamic. And I think what I'm hearing from you two is there's a role for at least asking about help anywhere along the way. So you can either resolve the situation you're in now or prevent a bad situation in the future. Definitely. And we, always, we always, we always love it when, you know, you have somebody who's like 63, 64, 65 saying, I know I'm going to need this down the line. I just wanted to have a conversation. Yes. You were doing it the right way, mm-hmm. you know, because the, the, 
the most difficult times are when somebody has fallen or there's a huge medical event and then we're brought in because they, they the family has to have somebody there and then it feels less like a choice it feels less like a partnership it feels way more focused on you know the health and the, the emergency situation rather than hey let's take this and let's prevent it and i, I don't think enough people see home care as a preventative you know home or healthcare option they always see it as sort of like a response to oh i fell so now i need home care well Maybe if you had home care, you had the assessment done prior to, mm-hmm. then you probably could have pushed it out a little bit further. Yeah, especially with knowing that a slip, trip, and fall for a senior could be life-threatening. Some people don't return back from that. They either end up in a wheelchair, they end up bedbound because they've broken a hip. They've, you know, when you're older, it's harder for your bones to to heal. So a fall is and has been for a very long time, the number one reason why people pass. Once you get there, you become bed bound, everything starts to to deteriorate because you're not moving around anymore. You get home care in there before that fall, we can not 100% prevent it because things happen, but we're gonna extend it happening. (laughs) We're gonna make sure that we are there to keep you safe and to prevent it, you know, as much as we can and to lighten the blow if you do fall because you'll have somebody there with you who can help you down, guide you down and be your comfort when you do fall. So So what are, to get into the details a little bit more, what are some of the specific services that can be provided by home care? In a whole, everything everything. We give companionship. If you are bored and need somebody just to talk to for a couple of hours, we give personal care. If you can't get up and get in that shower, we're going to help you get in the shower. If you can't shower, get up and get in the shower, we're going to give you a bed bath. We're going to give them at reminders. We're going to do food. We're going to do light housekeeping. And understand when I say light housekeeping, it's touching every area that the client is in, not the whole home. We'll dust, we'll keep it clean. We'll keep you safe because you know, your environment is important, but it's light housekeeping, touching mainly the places that the client is in. And, you know, a little washing clothes. If you mess up something and need it done, taken care of, we do errands, we do grocery shopping, everything, anything. This is how I tell our clients, anything that you can do yourself, we're going to come in and do. We're not going to take your independence. We're just going to be the right hand when that right hand can't work. So you're using your left and you're going to look at us for your right. I'm going to pick it up on this side and you pick it up from that side. Collaboration, collaboration to make it work. Teamwork. And what are some tips that you all have for interviewing a company or a specific provider to ensure it's the right fit? For me, it's always being upfront and honest with what you're looking for and what your expectations are. Because you'll give us just the front page, just the cover sheet. Okay, this is what I need. This is what I need. This is what I need. And once we get in there, that cover sheet has about 15 to 20 other pages behind it. Be upfront and honest with what you need to ensure that that company can provide you the services that you need. If you can do that, then that company can devise a true 
care plan that can help you extend the life of your family member, that can help keep you safe, that can help keep things regulated for you. You know, you can't partnership off of, I don't want to say lies, but you can't partnership off of some off of something that you're only giving me half of what I need to make it better. Give me so the whole picture. Glossing over the truth. Exactly. We, we kind of want to see what, I mean, what is the, what, what are you embarrassed about? What is the, what are the ugly things? What are the, do you, if you need help on the toilet, tell us you need help on the toilet. You know, we don't want to find out, you know, three days into service that this is what you need because it's not only managing expectations of the client, but when we select care team members to support you, we also tell them this is the scope of work. So when all of a sudden it changes, it's, it, it's, it's a difficult mind d- dynamic to, to have to manage. So being clear up front, you know, meeting, you know, the folks who are going to be your advocate. So like Tasha is the advocate for the client when we have our team meeting. So she's gonna say, yeah, this is what they said. This is what they wanted. This is what they're looking for. So if they're not clear, then Tasha's not going to be clear. Then we can't then support the right, find the right care team member. And then it's just, it's a bad setup. But if they can be clear and say, hey, I want X, Y, and Z, Tasha could very just easily redirect and say, hey, we can do X, Y, but we don't do Z. We had a call, I want to say a few days ago where the guy was looking for just some general in-home support. And he's like, yeah, but I want massages. We don't do massages. We are legally not supposed to be doing massages. That's not part of home care. So it was good that he was upfront about it because we did have a client in the past, they weren't upfront about it. And then they were trying to get the caregivers to do this. And we said, no, we don't do that. And then it creates a friction. Mm -hmm. So if you're clear on what you want, then we can also be clear on saying, yes, we can do this or no, we can't do this. Or if we can't do this, here's a resource where you can get this met. Yeah. And then too, because there is levels to care and being upfront and honest, it allows us to put the right person in the home. So we have to not only just look at it from a client aspect and what we need in the home, but we have to look at it from a caregiver aspect too. Can this PCA go in here and provide this care? Or do we need to put a CNA in there? There is, there's levels to care. And if you're upfront and honest with your needs, then we can place the right person in the right position. And do you mind going into a little bit what the different levels of training are of the staff and defining PCA and CNA? Uh, PCA is a personal care assistant. PCAs give just, it's pretty much communication. They're there to be your companion. They're going to walk around with you. They're going to talk to you. They're going to watch TV with you. They're going to read to you. And they're going to make sure you're in the home and you're okay. And they can run like basic errands. And running, running the errands and things like that. A CNA can do more of the personal care. They can help you in the shower. They can give the bed baths. They can make sure that, you know, your body is clean as well. And that's that's really the difference. A PCA, you can't touch the body. You can't help clean. But a CNA, you can help clean the body. So that's that's the difference in the levels of it. Okay. And that goes back into like what you were saying about being clear about your needs and the initial interactions to make sure the person with the right training is assigned to you. 
Right. And like Bella said, you know, hey, if you have issues in the bathroom, let us know. If you're having issues in the bathroom, we're not going to put a PCA in there because a PCA is not trained to touch your body parts. A PCA is not trained about peri care. A PCA isn't trained about, you know, the the true ins and outs of ta- of doing that personal care. Going to going to toilet is personal care needs. We need a CNA, a CNA in there. You know, the CNA is trained to give peri care. They're trained to, you know, properly clean you and things like that. So it's just if you're upfront and honest with all your needs, no matter what, the good, bad, and the ugly, we've seen it all. Most of the caregivers out here have been in the business 15 to 20 years. And even the new ones coming out of school, the way that they give classes nowadays, those 40 hours, those 120 hours, those 160 hour classes, they're showing them everything because nowadays you're doing everything. So, you know, just be upfront and honest and put the pride aside, (laughs) you know, put the pride aside and let us know what it is because, in receiving care, you can't be prideful. You got to be ready to collaborate and have somebody help you the way that you need help. So what are some of the things about the home care industry in general that you think maybe aren't fully understood or talked about? I think the biggest thing is the the ethnic composition of the industry. For our region, our area in particular, it's predominantly going to be African of African descent. Uh, then you're going to have um, African-Americans. And then there's a very, very small percent. Um, I would definitely say 1% or less of Hispanic, Caucasian, et cetera. And people tend to tiptoe around the issue saying, oh, I want somebody who understands my accent or who I understand their accent. And while I'm completely empathetic with that, you are looking for a unicorn <laughs> in our area. And the thing is, and, and we've told families too, I, my, my team, I know the skills are there. We also understand it's also going to be a personality match too, but we have to give relationships time to form um, and time to get there. And for that to, you know, it's like, maybe I'm just throwing a different example out there, but it's like when you leave your kid at school with a new teacher, that first week might be pretty rough. They're learning you, you're learning them. And in the same way, our care team members learn how to communicate with the client and the client learns how to communicate with them. We do often tell family members not to hover, maybe not so directly, (laughs) but to give our team the time and the space to create that one-on-one bond. Because again, if it is an intimate service that we're providing, that trust and bond has to be there. You know, the other part of the industry that I think families may not be aware of is that usually caregiving is a step in someone's career path. And so while they may love caregiver Sarah, Sarah may be working on her LPN, her RN, her social work degree, whatever it is. And that's so truly that the family needs to learn to build that partnership and that collaboration with the office team or the management team. Because Sarah's going to come and go, then you may have Susie, then you may have Thomas, then you may have whoever. But that that industry, the, the caregivers are going to come and go, um, but it's your office team that's going to stay and it's going to provide that consistency and communication and managing expectations and receiving and giving feedback as well. So that those are, I would say, two aspects that aren't really talked about a lot and I think often come a little bit in the game and in the conversation with, with families. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for bringing that to the forefront, Bella, because I think 
you know, it is the reality of the industry, especially in our area right now. And there may be some work we need to do as the family or the person receiving care to examine our own biases about the person who's assigned to help us and, and learning to accept that help and learning to accept, you know, the full value of the person in front of you while also, you know, it can be a little bit tricky of still wanting to express concerns if there are issues arising, but taking a moment to think about, you know, where is the issue coming from? Is it a skill deficit or is it, or am I uncomfortable because I'm not used to being around someone of African descent and now they're wiping my bottom, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, I'm glad you mentioned it and I'm glad you're getting us thinking about it because again, with the whole, the whole nature of this conversation, the more proactive we can be and the more accepting of our current realities, we can be the better the outcome will be. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Um, any other closing thoughts or words of wisdom you all have for anyone looking to pursue home care services? I would just say, be mindful of what you need, you know, um, understand that you're not alone. And there are many, many, many other families in the area going through similar situations and, Everybody needs help. Everybody needs support and no one can stand alone. So before you drown, reach for your lifesaver. I would, I would concur. I think the acceptance of help is one of the biggest obstacles in being able to provide that help. And that is just, and, and it's, it's, it's a personal thing. You know, when you go from being the head of your family, making all the decisions and executing and doing and doing and all of a sudden you're seeing your abilities go down. It's let's start. It, it's almost like you gotta, you gotta learn how to save yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're swimming and you're tired, you turn over and you float and you let the ocean support you. You don't just keep going. Otherwise you're going to get exhausted, fatigued, and you're going to drown. And I think that, you know, again, it's, it's a constant conversation and I wish that there was more out, I think, to help seniors as they age to be okay with aging gracefully with support. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as I, you know, have gone through my career in life and in the physical therapy world, we're all about maximizing independence for our patients, physical independence. But the more I've thought about it, achieving independence requires such a team approach and collaboration that it's really kind of misleading to think that being fully independent means being alone or only doing things for yourself. Yeah, such good things to to think about. I think this might be an episode to listen to a couple of times to really get all of the valuable information you two have shared with us. If people are interested in working with you and senior helpers, what's the best way to contact you? They can contact our office via the phone at 571-457-4894. They can shoot us an email at Nova, N-O-V-A, at Senior Helpers, S-E-N-I-O-R-H-E-L-P-E-R-S.com, or... 
stop by the office. We are right in Sherwood Hall Deli. Come grab some above Sherwood Hall Deli. Come grab some lunch and come up and talk to us. Get your questions answered. You know, meet the team. Let us know your needs so we can let you know how we can help you. But we are always available. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Senior Helpers Alexandria Arlington. <laughs> all right. And I'll put all of those links in the show notes as well. Bella and Tasha, thank you so much for your time, for the work you're doing to really improve the quality of home care in general and the lives of the people you serve. And thank you for sharing all of this with us today. And we thank you for having us today, Ms. Caroline. We, we appreciate you getting the word out to people and just being there to, you know, let them know that, hey, it's out there. It's here. It's time. Go check them out. <laughs> thank you for the opportunity. It's been great. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and does not create a provider-patient relationship between us. If you have questions about your health, please speak to a qualified health professional. If you would like to learn more about working with me as your qualified health professional, please visit carolinemorris.com. Did you know that gratitude is good for your health? If you found value in this episode, please share it with a friend and leave a rating or review. To keep the connection going, subscribe to Elder Health Connection on your favorite podcast player to get immediate access to upcoming episodes. Thank you for listening. With love and gratitude, Caroline.